we're so smart oh my god oh my god oh my god we're so we're so smart it's so hard to be so hot and so smart the weight (laughs) of the world on our shoulders Happy Virgo season, pop girls. Welcome back. It's Larisha season. It is my season and um, actually no one else's at all. No other person was ever born in September except for me. The only one, unless you're a September Libra, in which case you can have that. But I'm the only September Virgo ever. Very historic, very important. She's paving uh, ways for Virgos. There were no Virgos before me. Oh, right, yeah. Um, and there still aren't. My, my, my bad. No, I'm the only one. If you Google Virgos, only I come up. Yeah, welcome back to Pop Girls Podcast. Did you miss us? Did you miss us? Introductions. Could we only forget to introduce ourselves? Yeah. I'm Hannah. And I'm Larisha, your resident Pop Girls Aries Virgo power team. Mm -hmm. We did our little intro. Um, What are we talking about today? Getting into our pop trifecta. Mm-hmm. of Halsey, Billy, Lord. We were gone for a minute. We were we were finishing out Hot Girl Summer. Yes. August. Hot Girls are Hot Girls too. Yeah. But while we were gone, three albums from our most prominent pop girls, some of our most prominent pop girls were released, which was Happier Than Ever by Miss Billie Eilish, Solar Power by Miss Lord, and If I Can't Have Love, I want power by Miss Halsey. And we're gonna get into them today. We're just gonna we're just gonna chat. Yeah, this is I think the, the episode I am most excited for so far that we have recorded and we haven't even recorded it yet. Because we're not um, gonna be talking about why, any men. Why, no. Well, we have to actually. Yeah, I actually have thoughts, but yes. We have them. three <laughs> main pop girls who released albums very recently, literally within a month of each other. I don't I don't even know where to where to start I like two of these albums and one of them I, I do not actually at all and that one um, is solar power well <laughs> it's an album with lyrics and chords it is an album mm-hmm. it certainly is that I mean I've never made an album so we're all yes yeah I won't say it's I won't say it's bad because I couldn't mm-hmm. do that we need to pull up the pop girl smack cam and throw it back to the first episode when I said I don't think Lord's the type of artist to make an album where all the songs sound the same I I like the album though for what it is I like it for what it is and we'll get into that more because I think these albums also are really interesting like in relationship to one another in like what purposes they're supposed to serve yeah and I was Um, looking at that also because I was looking at the ages of all these women Billy 19 Mm -hmm. Lord 24 Halsey 26 about to be 27 she is a September Libra actually Um, so so she's allowed to get to exist she does get to exist and yeah I feel like they do represent these very different stages of life in very different ways but I also think that the way that we've seen these three albums and these three artists in conversation with each other hasn't been the way that we should be looking at them in conversation with each other. And I say we as a collective, like music community online, the way that I've seen people talking about them, because you're looking at Billy's second album, Lord's third, but first in four years, and Halsey's fourth album. And with new producers, with which is new also producers. A and this is the from first the other time. Two. Yes, and this is the first time that they have worked, I think, consistently with like a set of actual producers on a full project, executive producers, I believe. But yeah, they're very different in the times that they're coming out for these women. But then also topically and where we're at with music right now and the way we're thinking about women in music right now. I hate that term, women in music, but like, you know what I mean? Shout out Um, to the Haim album. Women yes. in music part three. <laughs> yes. Um, what is it like to be a woman in music? The worst question you could ever ask anybody ever. What is it like to be a pop girl? Well, that's what we should be asking. That's the that's a lifestyle. Question. Yes. We could we could start with Miss Billy. Okay, so Billy Eilish put out her second album, Happier Than Ever, on July 30th. So right, end of July, early August. 
sitting with that album that again produced and written fully with her brother Phineas who has a solo album coming out next month um don't know if I'll be listening to that he's not a pop girl so we don't really care but um, he's just pop girl adjacent yes a pop girl accessory yeah um an accessory to pop girldom a handbag um, <laughs> yes the lip gloss in the handbag yeah. actually um Billy puts out happier than ever at the end of July it is an album that is kind of showing her wrangling with fame and stardom in a different way than her first album did because she was already relatively famous when her first album, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go, came out in 2019. So there were songs on there about dealing with fame, having more eyes on her. And then this album was kind of the bigger moment for her because it was the shedding of the image that had been built around her from the beginning of her career. It was her on the cover of Vogue in this Hollywood style get up, boobs out. Good for her. Mm -hmm. I saw it, thought she looked nice and moved on. The rest of the world and the internet did not. It needed to be made a whole thing because people don't know when to stop commenting on and talking about women's bodies, even though it's no one's business and no one cares because it doesn't matter. That was so interesting to me because I felt like this is an insult to her but it felt like the most obvious next step in her career image-wise was to sort of do the the turn because if we just look at like pop girl history you know that's what we see is like the transition into adulthood which is which is fine I really I really like the direction that she went as a sophomore album But I think even visually, if you're signifying a new era, it seemed like a natural progression that she would make such a, not a 360, because that's back where you started, a 180, (laughs) Um, that she'd make a 180 from her image that she had had in the public eye for, I guess, a few years now at that point, if she wants to establish a new side of herself as an artist. The visuals also match up to the aesthetics of the album and the errors she's invoking and the different sounds she's playing with. So they're not just like looking cool for the sake of looking cool, even though she does look super cool. But the hair and the clothes, everything matches the overall vibe she's going for. And we'll get more into that. But I really like the choices she made. So yeah, it's been interesting to see that it's like this whole conversation when it's really just kind of like she was doing that thing and now she's not. Like, you know, yeah, we very don't, simple you know. in your face, very much a she changed her mind if she mm-hmm, was doing yeah. something at some point and made a decision when she was 18, 17, 16, whatever. Because I think the way that it was being framed was that, oh, she's of age now. So now she's taking her clothes off. But she turned 18 last year. She's 19 now. Mm-hmm. This was not like, oh, I'm 18. So now I'm going to do this. It was not mm-hmm. something that coincided with her coming of age. It was just, she wanted to do this at this time if she was 20 when she did this it would have been the same conversation happening around her but I think it was something where she could have ended up in like a Taylor Swift situation where she's decades into her career and it's like I can't curse in my songs until my sixth album or whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. and I also feel like it just made sense because she has experienced more life like beyond Mm -hmm. her just getting older she is actually just been through more things and I don't know how her Apple Music or Apple TV documentary was received but I genuinely enjoyed it it was one of like my favorite music documentaries I've seen in recent years but I think the main part of it that was like the big takeaway which is unfortunate because obviously it was supposed to be about her career and her rise to the top making her debut album the fame that came after the shows how she dealt with it The one thing that really stuck out afterwards was the clips of her relationship with this man named Q. First of all, while you were a grown man, having people call you Q, red flag, red flag. Like a Billy or a Timmy or something. Yes. He was significantly older than her. And it was very much a upsetting situation to have to watch because obviously we know that this happens with young girls all the time where there'll be young teenagers and then for whatever reason some man halfway through his 20s pushing 30 has taken an interest in her um and then emotionally traumatizes her and moves on with his life like that's kind of the age-old story of it all but I think when we see that happening again and again with young 
female musicians, knowing the way that the music industry is, it like just leaves like this icky taste in your mouth. And I felt like that's what stood out in the documentary was his presence. It was her calling him, asking him not to drink and drive. It was, and that's something that shows up within the lyrics on the album. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's one thing to to make assumptions and draw conclusions when you're reading gossip online from update accounts, fan accounts, whatever the case may be. But when you're actually watching something like that happen on camera, it's not really making assumptions anymore. You're just kind of making or forming opinions based on what you've seen. And I think that going into happier than ever, having seen that in connection with the way that she was treated in media even after before the Vogue cover when she was like hanging out somewhere in a tank top and paparazzi took a bunch of pictures of her there were men making really disgusting comments about her online in relation to that and I feel like that those are two things that have been kind of pushed to the side in conversations that I've seen about happier than ever I think people focus more so on the sound of the album the rollout of the album which were notably the rollout at least was notably messier than I expected it to be or a little maybe not messy but underwhelming yeah I don't think she really showed off what the album truly sounded like with the pre-releases and still when you're listening to the album it's kind of like the singles are the ones that fall flat and the singles started coming out so long ago my future I think was technically the first single Mm -hmm. the first song that was released that was included on the album I think therefore I am was the first actual promotional single so my future came out early 2020 and I remember thinking that it had something to do. She performed it at the Democratic National Convention. The hottest festival of the year. The right. Democratic National Convention. No, literally. Um, her outfit was excellent. She looked great. But I just did not think that we would be actually needing to pay attention to that song down the line. And I remember thinking that it was for that. I did not know that it would have anything <laughs> to do with an album later on. I just thought, because everything I wanted was never attached to an actual project. I figured this was like another kind of throwaway single. I think because it was released alongside that performance, it didn't really get tied to the album's narrative. And I think in a way that it maybe should have, because I do think that her talking about her future connects to a song like Your Power, where she's talking about people taking advantage of other people, mainly young women, and not really receiving consequences of doing that. Um, Cause that song is very much her saying that she's gonna be the one who's in control of what her future looks and sounds like. And it really just seemed really disconnected because it came out so long before we even knew an album existed. We did not know when that song came out that there was an album coming at all. That wasn't revealed until what earlier this year, what Therefore I Am was November, I think. And that was technically the first album single. And then we got Your Power, which was the reveal of the blonde hair. Because that, to me, was the actual start of the album era. It was the blonde hair reveal. So to me, the actual album era launches with Your Power. That's when she's actually saying, with the blonde hair reveal, pay attention to me, what I'm doing, what I'm saying. And so my future, and therefore I am being included on the album, seemed like after thoughts to me they just kind of and like you said like they do not fit like they don't the bar is raised so much higher by the other songs on the album that a lot of the singles are just kind of lost over even with your power I think is an incredibly important song but to have that as the first single you release after making this big statement about your place in the industry I don't think it works. I think it doesn't sound like it wasn't something you could hear on the radio and not that she had to put out a radio single. I think we'll get to this later, but Halsey didn't have any singles from this album before it came out and Lord put out Solar Power. So unconventional singles could just be a thing for right now because people don't want to sound like everyone else. That's fine. That's understandable. But whose attention was grabbed as far as hearing an entire project goes with Your Power? followed up with Lost Cause, which I like Lost Cause, but like as a single from this album, the other songs on the project do more for me than Lost Cause does, than NDA does. Thoughts on the album? How are you feeling about it? I actually did not listen to the album in full until like just last night. 
Oh, wow. I had heard bits and pieces, but I hadn't sat down and listened all the way through. I, I don't know why. I definitely don't dislike Billy, and I'm not even particularly like, like neutral on her. I just, I think I just like, for some reason, never really got to this album. I love what she's doing here. I love her 60s moment with the production. She's giving us some Francoise Hardy. She's giving us some Nancy Sinatra. Like, she's giving us something that we haven't seen in a minute. Like, Billy Bossa Nova, songs like Goldwing. I think are great in the way that they sort of combine the production and the sound that she's known for and that she's really pioneered so much in a way that a lot of other stuff is sounding like it right now um, with this sort of like more classic sound is just really good. And I think it's really seamless the way that songs will sort of transition from one like sound to another. It doesn't feel clunky at all combining them. And that's also with, I think, Happier Than Ever is one of the standouts on the album, the way that it sort of feels almost like two songs in one. And I also think that should have been the closer. I think Male Fantasy is a good song, but I I don't know why that was like, it felt like it was almost like a bonus track. Yeah. I felt like Happier Than Ever was such a strong closer. And I feel it's a long album. If she has the songs and like she has the material, then like go for it. But like you said, there were some that feel, feel a little disconnected. but. I think overall, I think it's just like strong. And I think it's just really interesting to see her progress as an artist in not necessarily like a dramatic way, but just in subtle and interesting ways. Yeah, I think it does feel very true to her. And I think that's what I really did like about it. I think when I was seeing some of the responses to it, there was one review I read that was like, Happier Than Ever is the standout track on the album. I wish the rest of the album sounded like this too. And I don't, I do not like album reviews that are like, I wish the artist would have done this instead. I think we should be looking at what the artist did do and whether they did that well, not sitting here looking at the 50 million possibilities of what else they could have done. But my thing with that was she has never done anything else in her career, Mm -hmm. discography wise, that would have gave you even the the smallest seed of a thought that she would ever make a song that sounded like happier than ever. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like, like you said, like it was so unexpected the way it kind of leads into that second part of the song. That's like this big moment. And that's why it should have been the closer because to end on that note, I think would tell us a lot about where she was going next. I think having male fantasy after that kind of brings us back to where we already were, which I don't think we needed to go back there. I do like male fantasy. I just don't think it needed to be where it is on the album. It's like such a, it's such a pop album thing to do though, right? To have like a really strong second to last song and then sort of like tack on a ballad at the end. Yeah, Hope You're Okay, Miss Olivia Rodrigo. And I do like that song, but yeah, it's- I feel like it's just like, so- I think it's a sequencing thing more than anything. So I'm gonna pin that on, I'm gonna pin that on Phineas. And like, it's nice to, I think it's like, I think a lot of pop albums like to like close out on a quiet note if they come in really strong which like I understand in like a storytelling sense, but it's just, it's just, it's just, we need to, we need to stop this. Yes. Industry people, if you're listening, stop tacking on, (laughs) stop tacking on an extra song at the end of your album. We don't need that. But I do think it was very much, instead of looking at, oh, Billy should have done this. I do think this album is a very, very strong and accurate reflection of Billy in a way that her first album maybe was for the time. But I think, you know, even two years on when you're in this transitional period of your life where the time between 18 and 19 feels more like four years than it does one. Because the first album came out when she was 17, right? It was written and recorded, I think, between like 15 and 17, if that. And so the person, the artist that we hear on that first album is not the artist who was making the second album. She was a completely different person, has experienced so many different things. And I feel like if you follow her enough and not even in like a, she's not really on social media. It's not even that kind of way. But I think if you watch the documentary, if you watch any of her interviews, if you watch the way that she speaks, the way that she responds to things, the way that she approaches conversations, this album sounds like her. I think the way that she says things overheated is one of my favorite songs on the album. And that's the one that comes after Not My Responsibility, which is her old tour interlude actually she was playing not my responsibility on her tour with the visual of her in like a black tank top not anything like super revealing in the way that people are thinking about her post Vogue cover 
but in a way that did make a statement about how she would like to be perceived or not perceived actually she would like you to pretend you do not see her and overheated comes right after that and overheated is talking about how she's essentially being shamed for having a body that people are going to doctors to pay to have and she's basically like well why would I why would I do that and this is like and I think the same way that people really praise the opening on the first album where it's like I've taken out my Invisalign and this is the album and it's her and Phineas and they're laughing and everyone's like oh she's so down to earth she's so this is so her Gen Z is so unfiltered and then I think she's doing the same thing on this album. It's just, it's not playful. And so people are like receiving it in a different way. But there's a line on Overheated where she says, and everybody said it was a letdown. I was only built like everybody else now, but I didn't get a surgery to help out because I'm not about to redesign myself now, am I? All these other inanimate bitches, it's none of my business, but don't you get sick of posing for pictures with that plastic body? And I was like, well, that sounds like Billy to me. That sounds like something that she would say. That sounds like one of her like Instagram story rants when people have done something to piss her off. It sounds like her. And so I think, you know, if you're going into this album expecting to hear the same Billy that you heard on that first album, you're not going to get that. And I do think some of the songs, I think the, the more upbeat, popular songs on this album are a lot better than the popular songs on the first album but the ballads are maybe not so much so. There's not a when the party's over on this album. And that song is brilliant, but there's not a version of that on this album. And that's fine because that song exists. I think she's already hit such a peak with that song that if she wants to explore other things, especially with Phineas still as her producer, I think he did a great job of not making this album sound boring to sound like the same thing saturate it and make it sound like the other stuff that he's working on with other artists I think he still did a good job of making sure it still sounded like Billy it still sounded like a Billy record I just think that collectively people have to update their idea or definition of who Billy is now does that make sense yeah and you know I'm not a ballad girl as per my thoughts on the Olivia Rodrigo album. <laughs> um, this album is also like, in general, her her range vocally is just so good. And her voice is just so pretty in a lot of parts, but she's also able to like, go into like alto tones that are sort of different. And she manipulates her voice in a lot of ways, obviously. Um, but there's the one song, Oxytocin, which is, I think, like, one of the most chaotic songs on the album, production-wise, but has these, like, ethereal vocals in parts. And it's just so pretty. I think we don't necessarily need a ballad where that would have been. But yeah, I just think, I think it's a pretty album, too. Like, I just think it's very I think so, pretty, too. The production, it yeah. sounds really cinematic and nice. Mm -hmm in a way that I think I've come to kind of associate with Billy, but Billy's voice has always been the selling point for me, even from Ocean Eyes. Ocean Eyes is a pretty song, but it's pretty because of the way that she sings it. There's really nothing else going on with the song that much, you know what I mean? When people cover that song, it's a vocal exercise for them to do so. Yeah. And so I feel like for her voice to be the selling point and her collaborative partnership with Phineas to be a selling point this album knocks both of those out of the park I don't understand what anybody else wanted from her and I do think what you're saying about the lack of balancing I don't think she needs them I think if it's the same way Dua Lipa didn't have a single ballad on Future Nostalgia but because it was packaged as a party album everyone was just like oh yeah she doesn't need any and I don't think an artist should have to sell you on the intention of the location of their album of where you should be listening to the album to get you to be okay with there not being a certain type of song on the album. I feel like there's also this connection between ballad equals sincerity. And it's mm. like, no, any song can be, it has nothing to do with the production or the, the composition. That's just in your delivery and in your lyrics. Billy is 19, so she's obviously going to be super sincere. I think that's my thoughts on the album. Not my responsibility. Obviously, I like a spoken word moment. I like that. We could have used an editor there. <laughs> Felt like we were saying the same things on loop for a few minutes, but yes, I still feel like it was really central to the album, what she wanted to say. And then like speaking on that, 
and just like speaking on the Billy album in general, and I think this also ties into the Lord album as well, your article about women in pop growing up. And so I want to hear your thoughts in relation to the Billy album and then even the Lord album, because there was like this yeah. weird reaction to her butt. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, and I did mention that. So I wrote about, I wrote an article for MTV News that had the title, When Are Young Women in Pop Allowed to Grow Up? And it was just kind of looking at the way that people tend to scrutinize young women in music and the way that they don't men, which obviously that's not the the shocking part of it. Or there's really not a shocking part of it. I think more it was more unfortunate than anything. I interviewed some journalists, I interviewed some fans, I interviewed some scholars and professors about the way that they've seen the way that women in pop have been treated change over the years, what stayed the same, what things do we need to, to stop doing and stop getting rid of. And one of the quotes from the article that I think really kind of sums up where we're at with that topic of young women growing up in pop was from a journalist I spoke to named Bray saying, um, and she said, people want to remember you in the way that they found you and for the reason they connected with you. You grow up and the things that initially connected with you start to change and send everyone into panic mode. And I think that's what we see a lot with women in pop. And I think especially in recent years with people having more perceived proximity to artists through social media, you feel like you grow up with them, you feel closer to them, you feel like you know them. And that line of you don't know them gets blurred very easily with fans, especially younger fans. And I think that's another thing to, to really take note of. We both were on Stan Twitter at a young age a stupidly um, young age for me. A stupidly young age. And I think one of the things that gets kind of glossed over is like most kids are on Stan Twitter and they're like 13 to maybe 17 years old, the bulk of them, because the rest of us grow up and then get careers in media. And then we're not technically Stan accounts anymore. We're professionals, but we're still Stans. And it becomes this thing where these girls don't and I say girls because I know majority of these fan bases are predominantly female um, and the way that they interact with artists and try to learn from artists and trying to emulate and mimic artists is a lot different than the way that male fans approach things. I think male fandom is a completely different conversation, but I do think that it's unfortunate to watch because they're relying on these women who are growing up to teach them how to grow up. And so any missteps that these women make hits their younger fans in a different way and so I think even like we see that with Lord we saw it even with melodrama as a jump from from pure heroin from her first album being like oh what happened to the Lord that was relatable what happened to the Lord that was singing about the collective we and that's something that Lord has like talked about in interviews before in that first album she was singing in a really generational way and that's how she kind of got in the same way that Billy at when her first album came out was being lauded as this voice of a generation, the same thing happened to Lord, And everyone was trying to say, oh, Lord is gonna speak for everyone her age. And Lord was just like, hello, I, I can't do that. But that first album did, it was really suburban. It was really angsty. It was relatable to a lot of people. And then when she was singing about her actual life, her actual experiences on her second album, there were people who were just like, I don't know if this is for me. And now we're on album number three. And it's really, you're either on board or you're not. Um, but Lord does open Solar Power with a lyric, like in the first song, there's a lyric where she's basically like, if you're looking for a savior, that's not me. I'm not here to, to fix your life or save you or lead you into the ne next era of your life. Because obviously everyone has always said that about Lord. Like, oh, where's the next Lord album? I need to know you know, what I'm doing for the next year of my life or whatever the case may be. And I always thought that was like a funny joke. I did not realize people were actually relying on Lord to determine their mental state, which that's worrying a little bit. <laughs> I was wrong about Lord not making an album of songs that sound the same, but I was right about Solar Power dismantling our parasocial relationship which I think was the more out of the park assumption I made. So here we are. <laughs> I'm just imagining a pop girls carnival. And then whenever you predict something right, and just a bunch of tickets pour out and then you can exchange <laughs> your tickets for whatever you want. 
any pop girl gift you can imagine it's yours oh man um i'm getting the discless music box (laughs) i literally have it on my thing over here i'm glad there's no disc in it because i just want the pictures i do not want to hear that album again um Um, well Um, but yes, I think that is a good transition point though. I think we could, we could kind of get more into solar power now, but the gist of, of my article was very much let women in pop do what they want and stop acting like if somebody does something when they're 18 or 19, that they can't change their mind when they're 20 or 21 and change their mind again when they're 22 or 23, let them do what they want. It doesn't matter. And it has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with you. Like it just, it doesn't. And I think that was um, one of the other things that I, I had like jotted down as a note was like, there's this idea of when you're approaching music made by women, there's this lens that it's seen through of what purpose does this album serve for me as the listener? What do I get from this? And sometimes things are not for you and that's okay. But I think at that point, if you're passing judgment on an album, it should be did this artist do what they intended to do and what purpose does this serve for them? And I think when you look at it through that lens, with all three of these albums, the Halsey album, the Billy album, the Lord album, when you look at it through that lens, you connect with the music a lot more because you're not mm-hmm. thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about what do I get out of this? What is this doing for me? How do I relate to this? Because you're not going to relate to everything by everyone, especially when you're dealing with some of the biggest pop stars on the planet, multi- multiple albums into their career. It's going to get less and less relatable to you, I promise. <laughs> I promise you are not going to sit here and be like, oh God, I, I hate when the paparazzi take pictures of me in my tank top. The paparazzi is not taking pictures of you doing anything. It has nothing to do with you. And so I think when you have to sit there and kind of step back and be like, okay, well, what is this? And I think that's when it's like a benefit to sit down and actually read conversations and interviews that these women do because they are very honest and a lot of them, or they try to be until their words are not... Are, are misconstrued or not taken at face value or are just not given the platform that they need to actually speak on what they're singing about. And a lot of times the music will speak for itself, but when you're doing interviews or you're reading interviews with these musicians, you want to hear what they actually have to say. If they're taking the time out of their day to talk about an album, maybe take that in consideration when you're listening to the album, instead of taking your own life into consideration being like, yeah, but I don't relate to this. I don't relate to you. I don't relate to you know because I'd never treat me this shitty and you made me hate this city. So Lord. So we're closing out Billy with that. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yes. One of the best, yeah. the way I cannot wait to scream my head off to that song at MSG, I'm going to float away. I'm going to break through the ceiling. There is going to be a LaRusha size hole in the ceiling of Madison Square Garden in February. So if you're walking around in February, look up into the sky. (laughs) Make a wish. (laughs) So that's Billy. I'll let you take the reins on Lord because I think you like this album far more than I do. I don't know if far more is the word, but I mean, yeah, I think think, the bar is not high. So I think we need to situate ourselves into where I was when I listened to this album. Okay. So I, I saved the album specifically she released it on friday and i was going to be going to the beach the next day but then there was a hurricane um so i saved it until a few days later and i was actually on the beach so i'd already seen people's takes on it and i was you know sort of prepared for what i was going to go into but i mean i listened to it like laying on the beach which is the imagined situation she pictures her listener in consuming this album so at that moment I was like this album is perfect for (laughs) literally this I saw dolphins while I was listening to it like Lord Lord sent sent those yeah (laughs) yeah Lord sent dolphins to Montauk for me but yeah I think and we will get into this with Halsey a little bit but I mean I think it's an album that I'm gonna have on while I cook breakfast or while I you know am on a walk or something I think it's a good accompaniment album I think there's definitely a lot of cool lyrical stuff going on but 
I mean, I don't know. I, I just, yeah. I think it's a good album, but I don't really have too much to say about it, which I feel like is kind of the general reaction. Like, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I listened to Solar Power the same way that you, like, did not hear Billy's album in full until last night. I didn't listen to Solar Power again until like two hours before we sat down to record this episode. And I did genuinely sit with it. I did genuinely listen to it the first time. I was just bored out of my mind and I was not having a good time. But then I also remember just based on the reaction to people not liking Solar Power, that a lot of people were very serious about their reactions to people not liking Solar Power, the single. And people being like, well, of course you're not going to like Solar Power if you're depressed and your room is disgusting and it was just really weird things that I was seeing where I was just like well that's that's not it and there was another tweet that was going around that was like oh 2014 lord would hate 2021 lord and everyone was quote tweeting it being just like let her grow up and I'm like see that's that's missing the point completely my quote tweet was she was friends with Taylor Swift right and that's just like I don't <laughs> she care was never about a what... hateful individual of people who no. were happy no she just lord. Like, was like a little guy. She was a teenager. Like I just, yeah. I didn't, that's what it was. And I figured we were all on that same page, but I think people for so many years associating that with like depressive times has maybe warped the way that we think about this album. And I think people being like, oh, well maybe you would like it if you were happier or if you were on the beach or if you were, and I think if you have to completely alter your setting of where you exist in order to enjoy this album, then it, the album does not work. I think if I cannot sit in my bedroom in New York and enjoy the album, and I sat in a hotel room in Virginia and did not enjoy the album, if I was outside on the bus, on a train, on a walk, and I did not enjoy this album, the album does not work. That just makes it inaccessible to me, I think, in a way. And I think it feels like, when I was listening to it the first time, it felt like, it gave me the same feeling that I get listening to Claro or any of the other various white oh, women no, who I'm I like, I support what you're doing, but I don't feel like this is for me. And I just did not, it's not even that I didn't find it relatable because again, it's like stepping back, did Lord do what Lord wanted to do on this album? I don't think I'm completely sure what Lord wanted to do on this album. I understood that it was New Zealand girl summer. She was having a good time. And then I'm listening to the album and some part she sounds like she's having a good time. And other parts, it's a little more intense, which I think is nice. I know there were a lot of parts that she said were supposed to be satirical. I don't know if that really came across in the way that she wanted it to, because I felt like there wasn't like a really varied expression of emotion on this album. There's even on Domino's where she is like in this heated exchange of an argument or something with someone. And she's really telling them how she feels. And then she goes, don't get up. And it's like a, this break in the song as if she's like sitting across from someone telling them, do not get off of this couch right now, I'm not done. But it doesn't give me that energy of I'm in the middle of an argument and if you try to get up right now, I'm gonna lose my shit. Like it doesn't give me that at all because there's little to no emotion in her voice when she says it. You don't sound upset to me. I don't understand. I would wanna get up too because I would feel like you're wasting my time because you don't actually sound like you're mad at me. I feel like this might just blow over if I go away for a little bit. Like. I, it doesn't give me anything. And literally one of the other notes that I wrote, I think this album would work better as like a book, a milk and honey style poetry book. Oh my I would God, rather why? read this oh. album than listen to it. it most of it sounds <laughs> the, the same. Not the milk and honey. I don't like, I, it, it, it does nothing, <gasps> nothing for me. And I feel like Lord's next album I'm going to approach in the same way. I'm still going to be excited. I'm still going to want to hear it in the same way that I was excited and wanted to hear Solar Power up until those first two singles came out. And then I was like, I'm not too sure if I want this anymore. But I, you know, I think Lord is somebody who takes her artistry very seriously, puts a lot of time and intention into her artistry. And there's nothing that I love more in a pop artist than intention. I hate accidental stuff. I hate, I don't know how we did this. And I do think lyrically lord is in the same place that she's been in like lord is still a killer songwriter but the sound of this album does absolutely nothing for me emotionally it doesn't deliver 
what she's saying to me in a meaningful way. And I think that's why I think I'd like it better on paper as a book, because I could read it and put the put my own spin or twist on how it would sound. Not in the way that I need to sound that way for me, but like in the way that I would expect someone to be delivering these lyrics. I think this whole summary acoustic bass doesn't work. And I think I, I like the, the intention of her trying to, there's one song, I forget which one, where she, I think interpolates part of ribs. And I think that's a really nice full circle kind of moment. But one, I didn't notice that at all until I read it. So it doesn't stand out in an, any intentional way that it should. I don't know, do we need to be calling back to your first album on album number three? Like, I think there, there are moments, you know, and she's still talking about age a lot. And like, I read all the, I kept up with the interview, like kept up with, with this album cycle. And Lord's intention to me is still kind of blurred because the promo for the album didn't really match the actual sound of the album. That's where I'm at with Miss Lord. I don't know what's gonna happen when she goes on this tour and I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs waiting for her to play something from either of each other two albums. Like, that, that's where I'm at. I checked, it's Secrets from a Girl Who's Seen It All, which is the one that has Robin that- And that's one of the only songs that I saved. I saved two songs from this album. One yeah. of them was The Path and the other was Secrets from A Girl Who's Seen It All. I think those are excellent And I songs. like, I really, you know, and you're saying the first album, the third album, I really like that that was sort of like her speaking to her teenage self or just like younger women in general and putting ribs in there, I think is just a really sweet and thoughtful sort of touch. But yeah, I think you definitely, I do like it far better than you. I thought you were being strong in the beginning. Um, no, I'm very sorry. But just in the general like sense that album. I don't have any real vitriol for it. There are some songs like California. I was just like, okay. I've heard this song from any artist, like, this is what Harry's doing. Harry, I think, specifically rented one of, what? What happened? This is an album of Canyon Moons. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it was that specific song, because I think he specifically rented, I forget which instrument, from Joni Mitchell that had been used on her records Mm -hmm. to play on Fine Line. Um, I hate Canyon Moon. I hate Canyon Moon, too. Because I feel like, I feel like, Speaking of 60s mood, and I guess this is a little more 70s, but I think Billy does a really good job of emulating those sounds and making them fresh, where I feel like in the Harry case and in the Lord case, it's kind of just replicating what that time and place sounded like. And I'm like, I I have those original songs. It's cute, but like, I didn't need it. But again, like we're saying, it's not necessarily for me. It's for yeah. her. But I mean, it's interesting to like, think about as a trend of artists right now yeah. but I think it yeah. goes back to what yeah. we were saying when Solar Power first came out about these like post-pandemic albums mm-hmm. it, this does sound like what I would imagine a New Zealand summer to sound like like I do yeah. think this is very true to what Lord experienced and I think she wrote I, a lot of it before the pandemic even hit but just being in New Zealand in general it's really interesting when you're saying about you know there's moments of satire that don't really hit and stuff. I'm, I think there's a lot of ideas here that I wish she would have committed to more. Like I remember in her Guardian interview, she said something along the lines of like, I'm a pop star. I'm not like a climate activist. I'm not here to like change climate change. <laughs> I don't know how she wrote it, but it was obviously more Thanks. eloquent than that. Climate change. Yeah. yeah, change climate change. Yeah, there's lyrics on the album specifically about New Zealand. I think there's this one lyric about like planes coming to the island. And I think there's this idea that New Zealand might be like the spot that's going to be the least affected by climate change for the longest time. And so there are these like really interesting themes there, but that I wish she had sort of gotten into more. And I get what her, I get what she's saying about not wanting to be, you know, just like writing what's true to her and not theorizing about grander things. But then also I'm like, okay, you don't want to be a climate activist, but then you recorded, did you see that very questionable quote about how she was using ambient sounds from the sirens when they were recording in New York because there were protests going on. No, I don't think I realized, was that the- It's on Domino's. It's in like the Spotify notes. You know how there's like the genius notes? Yeah. It's, you can hear a lot of sirens because there were a ton of protests that summer. I like that it sounds like how that summer sounded, which is, um, 
questionable to say the least yeah I don't like that actually I don't like that at all because Um, I was thinking about her when you said that the Vogue 73 questions video that she did which she did at the Botanical Gardens there was one part at the end when they got to like the end of their walk or whatever where you could hear sirens in the background and like literally even now I keep muting myself because you can hear sirens I've just been hearing sirens for like 24 hours straight now since that storm last night there's just been sirens it literally it sounds like last summer again it sounds like the beginning of the pandemic again we were only hearing sirens and there's one part where she stops at the end of the interview and she's like basking in the sound of those sirens and she's like ah New York and I'm already not for the romanticization of New York I think I don't want people who are not from New York coming to New York I don't want anyone here right now we're not in a good place our train stations are flooded so badly like it's not this this fun bright vibrant city that everyone likes to to act like it is and romanticize it as and and come here and get what they need from it and leave because I do think like even like what you're saying like that that summer I didn't get to go to any of those protests because of COVID and you know my personal situation or whatever but I felt so horrible about that that I couldn't right and there were all these sirens with all these people dying and I don't think I would ever be able to think of that time differently just because I wrote a song over it that was about a less sad topic and I think it is like what you're saying about she doesn't want to be a climate activist and she doesn't want to she wants to be a pop star and I think that kind of comes with the the idea that we shouldn't be asking for so much from our pop stars as Jack Antonoff also, told you. And yes. Which I agree yes, with. As Jack Antonoff literally yeah. told me specifically. But I also think that it's not the early 2000s anymore. It's not mm-hmm. the 90s anymore. I do think that because of the platform that these artists have, I do think they have some type of responsibility to care about these things. And maybe not in their music. And I think there's other ways to do it. Because a lot of time when you hear it in the music, it sounds really preachy. Because it isn't something that is like, this is literally the same conversation we had when Solar Power came up, I was like, do we, do we want a bunch of millionaires preaching to us about our world dying when it's not even our fault that this, that this is happening? There's not really much that we can do about it. Is that what we want from these artists? Whenever you're talking about what you want from an artist, it does, it makes it sound very transactional. It makes it sound like they owe you something. And obviously they don't. But I do think if you're going to go on record to say certain things, about what you don't want asked of you, I do think you have to take into account how that's going to be received, what you're putting out, and what you want people to take away from that. Yeah, I didn't know that thing about the what she said about the sirens. That doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. Like, it's just, no. that was not a cute or fun time. That week was hell. Like, I hate, I woke up with headaches every single morning, every single morning, from being online all day watching people dying, and then waking up, and then hearing sirens all night, and then that weird week with all the firecrackers, and sh- like, just not good (laughs) just not good um solar power is just a miss for me as a whole if i never heard this album again i'd be fine with that (laughs) which unfortunately for me i will be hearing it live i am excited to see how it translates in a live setting i feel like that might be the one place that i might actually enjoy it I think Stoned at the Nail, on a positive note, I think Stoned at the Nail Salon is the highlight for me. I think that opening lyric is like one of the, got a wishbone drying on the windowsill in my kitchen in case I wake up and realize I've chosen wrong. I think that's like one of the highlights of her career. I think that's the best representation of the album and the sound that she was going for, just in general, that song. I like the songs where she's being earnest more than the songs where she's being satirical. I, I, I like Oceanic's feelings lyrics where she sings about fishing with her father and being grateful for what New Zealand is and what it gives her. And then there's also just like some really sweet lyrics in there about imagining her future daughter. And like, yeah. I feel like those are those are the moments on the album that really sort of signify the transition for me into older Lord and Lord who has a new perspective but yeah, it's obviously, it's, yeah, it's a complicated album. I think for something that kind of like feels simplistic, the conversation around it is obviously really yeah. complicated to have, but yeah, Lord will be, we'll be sticking around. We're not, yeah, we're not, it's we're not, not like a, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think there are sweet moments, like we were saying, like the, the more earnest moments, I think the, the song that you listen to it closely and it's about her dog. Like, I think stuff like that yeah. is really, you know, sweet knowing that the album got pushed back because of her mm-hmm. dog's death. Like just things like that, I think are really meaningful. And I love meaningful things. I just wish, at least, I think, I wish it just sounded different. Obviously, we weren't going to get melodrama. I think that, I'd never expected Lord to make a melodrama 2.0. 
that was never something I imagined her doing because why would she? And I think because her first, the first album was so different from the second one. I'm thinking the second one's gonna be so different from the third one and so on and so forth. And these things are true. They are incredibly different, just not in the upwards way that I was expecting. She's three albums into her career. She's 24. Mm-hmm. Like I am a day into 23. Like I, <laughs> it's, I would not be able to make half of something like this album. But I think it is about being proud of what you make at the time. And I think she is proud of mm-hmm. this album. Um, and I think that really does count for something. I just think I am excited for the, the Lord album we get after this. After she's learned whatever she needed to learn from this album process to take into the next one. I know that we said the album doesn't have to be relatable, but there's that one lyric that I thought I was a genius and now I'm 22 that just like fucks me up. <laughs> I'm 23. I can't relate to that. <laughs> she's been 23 for a day and she's out of here. Yeah. That whole song is so Freudian though. So we're not going to process anything else about it. Um, no. But those are my Lord thoughts. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into, let's get into Halsey. Yeah, I think, I wouldn't say the album is like the opposite of the word album, but I'm just thinking about that clip that she posted from her conversation with Zane Lowe. The, uh, the part of that interview that she posted was talking about how when she, I guess, approached Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross with the album initially or what she had of the album, that they sort of told her that it was a good album, but it was an album that didn't necessarily, like, demand attention and an album that could be in the background at a party and they were like that's not a bad thing that's just what it is right now but we think that we can we can all take it to this place which is an approach I haven't heard described before from an artist yeah in creating an album and like you said going back to like intention and meticulousness which is something Lord has in her albums and Billy and Phineas have together and we see with Halsey has that like in all three of these albums there's obviously we feel differently about all the results of how it turned out but there's like there's just like a real intention and I think on all three and a strong execution of that intention but yeah I think it's I think it's a really good album yeah I think what you're saying right now I think what they're doing all three of these women are trying to be the opposite I think of what most people think of when most people think of pop and like what pop artists do I think they're trying to do the opposite they're not trying to be malleable like they're not trying to be I can fit into all of these different boxes you know I was like oh they're trying to to fit me into a box I'm gonna fit in a box and most artists will say that and then proceed to fit into multiple boxes Halsey's Twitter bio, I think, I don't know, maybe it was Instagram. Her bio on some social media app used to be anti-pop star. And I think that was during the whole Stone Kingdom era, I'd like to say. So Holly has always kind of rejected this, this label of pop stardom. And I think the thing that's really interesting about Halsey in this album, and I think specifically the way that this album has been received so far, is that I think they finally been able to like shed that idea of pop stardom around them in a way. Because I was thinking about this the other day. Because Halsey's first album, Badlands, came out 2015. That was Tumblr era. Halsey belonged to the Tumblr kids. It made sense. But I think with that album, she was very much so like underground in that indie way for pop that, you know, New Americana was not that big of a song and it was horrible. So obviously nobody, that song was god awful. (laughs) And they were talking about that during the the Zane Lowe Halsey interview because that was his first like Apple Music world record. Like the, you know what he does like breaking like the world and they like play a record for the day. His first one, the first record that he broke was New Americana. And I'm like, you couldn't have picked any other song. (laughs) That was on the first album. And then Hubble's Fountain Kingdom was the second album at that point that she's dating g-easy she's in that era of her life Gerald. was supposed to be this romeo and juliet type shakespearean concept album but the concept was never really within the music at least wasn't really there it was in the visuals certainly but that's easy to set any song to a certain visual there wasn't a clear through line and then at that point she had some big songs but halsey was still very much more of a public figure than she was a musician because at that point her biggest song was with the chain smokers it was closer that was 2016 hopeless Found kingdom 2017 and then in 2018 we get without me without me is massive um excellent song and it was one of the first songs that she had put out and said that she recorded as ashley her real name and not 
palsy. And so then they said that none of the music on their upcoming album, this is at the time, 2018, When Without Me came out, none of the music on that album would sound like Without Me, is what they said. And, and that I album thinking, was Hopeless Fountain. That was Manic. So that was, oh, that was okay. the next one. So this is Forgot Hopeless about Hopeless. Manic. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> and I love Manic and we'll get to that. But I do think that because they were like, oh, none of the music is going to sound like Without Me. But Without Me was so good. It felt honest. It felt like, you know what I mean? It wasn't a costume being put on. It wasn't trying to be conceptual about anything. It was really straightforward. Ended g Easy. period completely <laughs> I thought it was a great song and so when they were like oh none of it's gonna sound like this I was like well that that kind of sucks like I'd love to hear an album of just Halsey as themselves like as Ashley and that's what Manic is and I think Manic was a really strong album for what it was but I do think that because still Halsey was not seen as this musician to be looked at in any meaningful way and I think that's part of the reason why they wanted to reject that anti-pop star I mean, that that pops our narrative so much was because they were not being taken seriously as a musician for a long time. And I think the way that Manic was critically underrated is a testament to the fact that they were not being taken seriously. And I think if you listen to Manic alongside If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power, a lot of the seeds for this album were planted on Manic. And so I think it's weird to see everyone like suddenly being like, oh my God, critically, this album is so excellent, this album. And it's like, but the precursor to this album y'all did not pay any attention to. Um, and I think obviously there were like, there are a lot of like bigger pop moments on Manic. It is a mm-hmm. pop album in the way that If I Can't I Love, I Want Powers being approached as a rock album because mm-hmm. of the, the production by resident Nine Inch Nails members, Trent and Atticus. <laughs> I um, thought you were going to like describe them some other way when you said resident. Oh, no. <laughs> I just expect resident like a fake Atticus description Ross. after that <laughs> oh yeah no actual actual resident nine ish nails yeah members. so this is being filed under rock and because it, it really is there are no pop songs actual pop songs maybe honey but most of these songs are not pop songs but also notable about um if i can't have love i want power this is their first album since badlands that has no features on it because the last album had John Mayer, uncredited, but John Mayer. Um, it had Dominique Fike. It had BTS um, Sugar. BTS. Excellent song. Are you kidding Excellent. me? Excellent. I love that song. He cleared. I'm sorry. I was yeah. just like, oh, okay, all right, I'm following. I think that album still had like similar like moments of oh, like, and a lot cinematic of kind of feeling. Yeah. We can't I forget. I don't listen to that song. I don't listen to that song. <laughs> I don't um, either, but I think it's like a cool precedent for the album that yes. Halsey made next in like um, the girl rock canon <laughs> yes oh well yeah yeah that's true yeah. that's true so Halsey puts out this album and it's a visual event it is a sonic event when you're listening to this album it yeah. sounds very grand it sounds very intense and it is she described if I can't have love I want power as a concept album about the joys and horrors of pregnancy and childbirth and I think that ties back into what we we're saying about you cannot approach these albums hoping to relate to them because yeah I personally have not pushed a child out of me I don't have one, don't want one. Okay, yeah. So we have the album come out. <laughs> we have the album come out. Halsey is a new mother. Halsey has detailed their experience with like miscarriages and really wanting to be a mother more than anything else in the world. And so taking those nuggets of information and going into this album, this is an album with a lot of songs of Halsey coming to terms with the fact that they can't really be as self-deprecating or insecure towards themselves anymore because now they have a human being to take care of and look after and have look up to them. It feels like a milestone. I feel like listening to it, it feels like Halsey is in such a different place. And Halsey is the oldest of the the three women that we are talking about today. Halsey turns 27 at the end of the month. Hag. Um, (laughs) She's a senior citizen. Um, And so it is a really different, it is a really different kind of thing. And this just feels really, again, intentional, really cinematic and important. They put out a IMAX film alongside the album, which did not include all of the songs from the album. It was not Mm -hmm. like a visual top to bottom album. It was maybe 45 minutes long. I'm very curious about it. I'm not going to go to a movie theater and watch it. I hope that they release it in some streaming form Mm -hmm. was it like was there like spoken dialogue or was it just like an extended music video yeah very minimal 
dialogue. It was not a music. It was more of like a, if, if you took a silent film and kind of laid these songs mm-hmm. over top. Um, there was very minimal dialogue and Halsey wrote the film herself. I think you could at some parts tell that they hadn't worked on anything this big before, but it was done very well. And Halsey has always included like film references in their music. There's Jennifer's Body stuff on Manic. There's um, Eternal Sunshine stuff on Manic. It was really like visually really, really nice. Um, I saw it twice because I was already going to see it. And then I wrote about it for Billboard. So I watched it twice to make sure I knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Because one thing I will not do is embarrass myself like some of these writers to be out here doing. <laughs> I don't do that. Uh, I will watch this movie five times, make sure I know what the hell I'm saying before I write anything about it. I don't just be talking unless we're, unless it's pop girls or here, I just be talking. I just, I just be saying things. <laughs> um, but I did, I watched it twice and it wasn't until my second time watching that I was like really following the storyline of it. Mm-hmm. because there's no dialogue it also was like everyone's first time hearing these songs the movie came mm-hmm. out before the album came out about two nights before the album came out a night before and so you don't really know what's going on yet you don't really know what you're hearing so trying to keep up with the plot and also what you're hearing at the same time right not the easiest thing and so watching it the second time I did understand better and I don't want to like spoil it or anything but it is brief synopsis yeah Halsey plays this queen whose husband is abusive and then dies and then they get pregnant at some point um I feel like that's vague enough to like not spoil it I don't know and it's just kind of journeys through their character what do you think are like the standouts on the album? Um, okay, eleven twenty one is my favorite song. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite songs that she has ever made. Uh, I really love, and it's again, I think of intention. Eleven twenty one is a date that they found out that they were pregnant, and I think that I just love stuff like that. I love like little tiny details like that. Eleven twenty one, um, honey. I think girl as a gun is excellent. I've seen some girl as a gun slander online. I need it to stop. What's the slander? That people don't like it. <laughs> that I, is not a good song. I think, and it's, I think it's great. Great. Girl is a gun back to back with you asked for this. I think that duo is really good. Is really yeah. strong. I'm like, really, we're about to sit here and honey, name the entire track right. list. Yeah, we're just like. Whispers, I think is yeah. so good. I love how the second chorus is not the same as the first chorus. I like mm-hmm. that she takes some words out. And so it's not what you're expecting. And I think that kind of this whole album is not what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. And at no point was I listening to one song and predicting what the next one was going to sound like. And I love that about it. I wasn't ever bored. It's only it's yeah. a 42 minute album. It's interesting because, you know, she talked about it not being a background album and being an album that demands attention, which it definitely does. But I wrote like in our notes, like I've been listening to it just kind of like in the background of my life because I'm a crazy person. But I think it's because it's so atmospheric and so like, it reminds me of like a Florence in the Machine album in a way. Mm. Not that they sound similar, but just in the idea that they sort of like transport you into like a fantasy world, which is sick. But that's also like a very specific mood that she's curated. I think it makes so much sense that the film goes with it. It's really cinematic and really, it just kind of like transports you, which I think is yeah. definitely what their goal was. And yeah, and Trent Atticus have it. worked on like yeah. a lot of films. They are Oscar winners, mm-hmm. as far as I know. Like they're very... they did the Social Network score. Yes, the iconic Social Network score. Exactly, and so I think they were like the perfect collaborators for this album. I know everyone was expecting this to be Halsey's like pop punk album because of our pop punk revival moment right now. Um, you know, I'm a... I do not want any more fucking pop punk. Yeah, at this point, I'm I'm a little bit over it. I think this was the best direction to go. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think, you know, a lot of the songs on here are to either her partner or to her kid or to mm-hmm. herself. And then Honey's just kind of thrown in there for fun. <laughs> There's yeah. really, that moment is like, does not really fit with everything else. Mm-hmm. But it, like sonically, it still works. Thematically, not mm-hmm. so much, but it doesn't throw you off. There's no moments where I'm like, this album didn't need to be here. And I think that was very much part of part of Halsey's intention. And it does have this like grandiose kind of feeling to it. Like you can't help but like, it's really, it is really visual. Like even as you're listening to it, like even if you have it in the background, there are always going to be certain like moments that kind of pull you back to it. Even if you're just like passively listening, I think the tradition is one of the songs that yes. does that, especially like when the chorus hits, like you kind of, it kind of jerks you out of whatever absent-minded listening you're doing because it does do what they intend it does demand attention in that way and they're storytelling there's so much storytelling i love the lighthouse the whole siren killing a man thing yes get him out of here get him out of here 
Like if our ninth grade English classes, stories that we had to read sounded like this album, maybe I would have enjoyed it. Maybe I would have enjoyed it. Maybe if Beowulf. This is maybe if Beowulf, Beowulf had made, had made <laughs> yeah. if I can't have love, I want power. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking about how interesting their career has been and how savvy and smart it's been because we talk about this album and like how what a achievement it is and how there's no singles on the album as you mentioned before. And that's something not a lot of artists can make both because like we said it's an achievement to do that it's a hard thing to make a whole concept album like this but also like financially Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to make an album where there's no song that's going to get the billion streams off of it you know but Halsey has consistently put out singles I think probably still like the biggest association of her in public consciousness is that Chainsmokers song and then even recently they had the Marshmallow song that do like super well on the radio And I'm not saying that they don't enjoy making those songs and those songs don't represent what they are as an artist, because I think both sides can be true. But I think that they're in a super unique position in the industry that they are able to sustain themselves on these mega hits and then use that to make maybe niche art that isn't for everyone, but is definitely worth sharing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Look, we're so smart. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. We're so we're so smart. It's so hard to be so hot and so smart. Oh my god. We know about things and stuff. Yes. And we're hot. And I think I think it's a great thing. And I the the thing I loved about the the piece I wrote about the movie was my my kicker. My kicker was a fan favorite because Halsey retweeted me this week. Oh my god. Oh my god. Halsey, come on, Pop Girls. Come on, Pop Girls, Halsey. And my kicker basically said, if she can't have love or power, maybe it's enough to have peace. And I think that is something that Halsey herself has been able to find. I think being a new mother in the Zane Lowe interview, she talked about she just moved into this really beautiful, secluded house. Um, they don't have any like plaques up on the wall. Like it's just space for them to do the things that they love and to take care of their child and to just exist away from everything else. And that sounds peaceful to me sentiment is so beautiful about the peace as you said but also like they've found love so they don't need the power which like is just so beautiful um I I don't even know how to describe it any other way this album seems like the album that they wanted to make and I think of the three albums that we talked about today I think it's the best executed album as Mm -hmm. far as goals go as far as making what they set out to make I think it makes sense that this is their fourth album like I think maybe album number four is where things start to click and I feel like with Lord it's fine if album number three was not it for her mm-hmm. and I think with Billy I think being at a long way away two, there we're a long way away from four but I think four is going to be excellent this is what two sounds like and so I think they're all in good places and I'm not completely dissatisfied with any of our of our prop girls I forgive Lord it's fine we'll hug it out at some point like it's okay it's all right but I I do think Halsey is like the crowned champion of this this trifecta of pop girls that we've talked about today. I think that's a good place to end. Thank you for listening to another episode of Pop Girls. We're very happy to be back and happy to be making more episodes in the future. If you like the show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because that helps us out a lot and follow us on Spotify and then more people can hear us talk our shit. Correct. Also follow us on Twitter at PopGirlsPod. Let us know your thoughts about our thoughts, unless yeah. your thoughts about our thoughts are bad thoughts, in which case we don't want to hear If they them. are mean thoughts. Yeah, we don't want to hear those. If you, you are a solo power stand, do not speak to me. <laughs> okay, well, we, you can be a solar power stand, but, you know, come at it with an understanding. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next time. See you next time.